Welcome everybody, you're listening to 646, and I'm here with Kaylin Davidson, and dude, I'm really stoked to talk to you, because you've got a bananas CV, like this thing is, it's It is a little weird looking at it now, actually, seeing it all in front of me, I'm like, wow, I've uh, got a lot to live up to on this thing. <laughs> I don't know, wow, I got, I'm sure you got a lot of really kick-ass stories, uh, just to um, for anyone that doesn't know who Kalen is, he's one of the co-founders and manager of the Peterborough Wax Club. He's a circus performer. Um, now you're, because I was creeping the Facebook for this, <laughs> and it said uh, circus performer and producer. Does that mean that you produce the circus shows as well? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a circus artist. I create circus entertainment. Um, oh, I also perform, perform circus entertainment for uh, all kinds of different private clients, um, all festivals, uh, everything you could imagine. And then uh, I also produce, so I have a roster of performers that I, ah. I, I also book. So I act as an agent, uh, artist, and performer for circus arts. I've been doing that for, for quite a while. Um, amongst all of the things that I do, I think it's like the most dynamic, I would say, because it's like, if you, I, everyone always says, if you can run away with the circus, you can do anything. Right. You know, and it makes everything, it turns the volume down of a lot of other skill sets and things like that. If you can do right. live circus production and pull it off, then sure. everything else is, seems a lot easier after that. Fuck, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're an actor? You're yeah. A- um, yeah, acting actually came to me through circus. I worked um, as a circus entertainer for a number of years for a few different agencies. Right. Um, and I got a really cool gig with Cirque du Soleil. And Holy we were working, um, uh, what were we doing? We were doing a stilt, this stilt walking show for a show that was in Montreal, Toronto, and New York. And uh, through, uh, Cirque du Soleil had hired special effects coordinators um, from the film world to come in and work with them to build these different special effects suits and things like that for the production. So That's cool. I, I got to know them quite well and I was their stilt walker. So they put me in this crazy, crazy suit. You know, everyone knows Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, yeah. It's a whimsical, crazy thing. And um, they put me in this suit and I did the gig for them. And then I got a call about, um, I don't know, it was, it was like months later. I think it was like three months later. And, the, and this guy that I worked with on that called me. He's like, hey man, how, how tall are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm six foot. And he's like, okay, cool. Like, how much do you weigh? Like, you're pretty skinny, right? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, where are you, what are you getting at? He's like, well, I'm working for a DreamWorks production for Steven Spielberg no and way. our alien suit performer, we built this alien suit for, can't do the gig now. He's out. He, he can't do the gig. So we need someone that fits, that's his, his exact same size, that fits this monster suit to be on set working tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, I'm in, you know, of course. And uh, so they brought me into the audition, so to speak, which is really just us going into this effects tra- this truck in this truck, and they okay. covered me in KY jelly. And you know, this isn't the kind of party I was, I was thinking it would be. <laughs> so they covered me in KY jelly, and then uh, put me inside this alien suit, and I fit. And they had they had no, you know, they had to have someone the next day. They were just sure. to lose, lose so much money to not have some, an actor. So I basically wow. instantly got into the actors' union because they were in a fix. They just bought out actor. They bought out right. my entire, um, all, all the credits and everything I needed to become a full actor film member. And wow. since then, I have yeah, had a lot of opportunities to do other things. But it's pretty hilarious, you know, to get your foot in the door. And the acting industry is very difficult. And I just right. kind of was very lucky to, to get all of it in one package through circus. And right. now I've, uh, yeah, I've done a lot of creature suit performance. I've been on Hannibal, Falling Skies. Yeah. I've been on a number of other productions. And then in terms of actual not being a monster, I've been on uh, Rookie Blue and uh, a few other productions as well, some kids' TV shows and stuff. So That is awesome. Yeah. Just because I actually, I'm a fan of the Hannibal Lecter whole, plus anything the universe. Hannibal. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I love that stuff. Um, you played that weird black deer 
creature thing. Yeah, it was called the monster itself, or the character itself was called the Wendigo. Um, right. And it's, uh, I always have a hard time explaining that character because it was um, kind of like an ass. It wasn't real per se. Like it wasn't a monster in the real world. Yeah. It, was, it was an aspect of one of the main characters, figment of his imagination. It yeah, represented, yeah. I guess, all the evil that was inside Hannibal Lecter that was being hidden from him in the series, which I don't want to spoil the series for anyone listening. Sure. But yes. uh, yeah, he, he, this monster that I played kind of shows up in his dream states and, and in kind of hallucinations that he has throughout yeah. the show. And um, it was a, that was a really fun production. Very challenging. We, we filmed over winter in, in, the greater Toronto area and it was a very harsh winter. It was like minus 40 all the time and I was wearing this giant silicon latex suit and um, it was very, very challenging but uh, you know, the people on set were great. I met, I got a chance to meet uh, Mads Mikkelsen and kind of got to buddy up with him a bit when we were working together and he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal consonant professional. Like he, would come in and be, you know, taking care of me in the suit in between takes. Mm. And, and, you know, it was cool to nerd out. And um, Lawrence Fishburne was also on that production, yeah. which was kind of a dream come true, you know. It was mm-hmm. high. Definitely had to bite my tongue a few times in terms of being, you know, like, how is the Matrix, man? You know, just <laughs> yeah. start, like, kind of sure. talking, talking shit or whatever. Yeah. And that's, that's where the professionalism comes, comes in. But, you know, you pick your battles, and it's cool sure. with those guys. But, um, yeah, that was, that, was, that was the last show that I was on. Um, going into third season, I had a really bad accident involving a circus stunt oh, and I fractured my wrist. So I actually shattered my scaphoid bone in my wrist. And uh, that was the last acting kind of thing I worked on for the last two years. Whoa. Um, and that was actually what kind of catalyzed me starting up Peterborough Axe Club because I couldn't have had all my eggs in one basket as a performer, actor, you know, had a very interesting, cool life in Toronto or so I thought at the time sure and when I fractured my wrist all of that just kind of went away because I, I all of my income was based on my ability to use my hands and be physical and be for a performer sure. and a stunt person so uh, I had to come up with a plan in order for myself to have a renewable form of income and and a job that I want to go into every day right. you know coming from a background where I had a lot of freedom as a performer and actor and stuff it's hard to go get a job at you know, Denny's or something. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know, and I worked at a restaurant in town, which actually I loved, which was Ashburnham Ale House, just right. excellent. And, um, and kind of got back on my feet that way. I met the owner there, his name's Scott Wood, and he is um, one of the greatest local dudes that I've met here, local business owner, restaurateur, excellent mentor. He just was so helpful and, and encouraging. Uh, for me, in terms of the, you know, Axe Club, we were kind of got drunk one night at a staff meeting, or our staff uh, party, and came up with the idea, like, let's start up an Axe Club. I, I used to throw right. axes in Toronto for years, and right, right. Um, this town's ripe for that. Like, Peterborough, come on. Like, it's all, it, it's the perfect demographic for a Isn't city it? for to have an axe throwing club. Like, yeah. they, people just eat it up, and it's been going really well, but... Um, Which, we, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, yeah, but no, just real quick, that's where we're actually broadcasting from, mm-hmm. is at the Axe Club. So it's if you hear a reverb, reverb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I got it, man, this place is so fucking cool. It's I really cannot crazy. wait to, like, come in when, like, you're... When it's hopping. It's yeah. pretty neat, man. It's uh, It really is a dream come true, and... Um, yeah, like I couldn't be happier now. I'm, I'm actually getting back into doing circus and acting and music and production and stuff like that. And um, having this as a foundation for me, it really makes me feel, not, I wouldn't say maybe a little bit invincible because <laughs> if I break my wrist again, I get to come back to this super cool clubhouse that I helped yeah. set up. So um, yeah, it's, it's a, it, this is a, a dream come true. This place is amazing. I, I feel like it's, I'm kind of set for life on this deal. You know, it was a lot of work, but 
I, we, we have this forever in Peterborough now. It's cool. Yeah, this, is, this place is sick, man. And I'm just like, just kind of scanning it. I haven't actually really worked around yet. Uh, but god damn, it is so cool in here. Um, yeah, we, uh, it gets wow. popping. We can have up to 70 people. It's a 6,000 square foot warehouse space with um, seven sets of targets. Um, we're part of the National Axe Throwing Federation. So in Toronto for the longest time, there's a place called Battle, which is um, Backyard Axe Throwing League. And they, they've sort of created the sport as it, as it is right now and the style of gameplay, targets, axes, all that stuff. Right. Has be, they became standardized. And when I went to open up this place, I sort of went to the CEO and founder who's a buddy of mine. His name is Matt Wilson. He's a really cool guy. He's, he's just, he's, he's seen done a lot of shit. He's really cool. But uh, he, uh, instead of becoming competition, it kind of sparked the idea of like, what if we set up a national federation so that we, ha we become a reputable sport, we become a sport right. in North America so that we can A, get everyone playing together. We're not competing as axe clubs. Right. We're all a part of one greater sport. We yeah. all, it yeah, yeah. galvanizes us. And two, if we have um, a good reputation and we have a sport that's acknowledged by uh, as a federation, then we can get liquor licenses. Ah. Right. So that's kind of the, that's, that's, that's the big drive really. So we, I really want to serve craft beer um, in, in the axe club and make sure just like curling, you don't know drinking in the range or sporting areas, but in the common space, like let's have a really cool clubhouse, you know, like I yeah. want to have other games like shuffleboard pool, all that stuff. Eventually I want to get an analog pinball machine too. Oh, that would and, be so cool. Um, yeah, and then have some craft beer and have like a really cool setting. It'd just be super fun, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Axe Club is awesome. it's it's a great great scene. I really want to bring music in here too, and like like Peterborough for me, you know, breaking my wrist and going through that and having to kind of calm down and and start up the business. I've always uh, played music kind of as like a basement, you know, like yeah, basement yeah, yeah. musician. Never thought I'd really do anything with it. Sure. And uh, like I think the same story with a lot of musicians, you know, over like 15, 20 years, I wrote a whole bunch of stuff yeah. and like tons of, you know, comedy songs, crappy songs, kind of like good songs. And um, while I was had my wrist broken, I had not a lot of stuff to do, you know, so I right. started looking at all my old books and journals and stuff like that. And um, kind of Frankenstein all the best hooks and stuff like that out of oh, like right. 10 songs to make one song, you know? Right. And I wrote uh, an album and started a music project called Wolf Fox. Yeah. I, um, uh, I actually, just the other day I listened to the two EPs, um, uh, Daylight and Nightlife. Yeah, Daylight I released uh, March of this year as a four track EP. Right. Um, and then August I released my uh, Nightlife EP which was uh, which was another four tracks and then I sort of ma amalgamated both of those together had them remastered and re like reordered and mixed together as one EP it's about 23 minutes and right. just got uh, working with Radio Ready out of LA which is a PR sort of artist management right. company um, and they have taken on my album and, and got a couple songs that were applying for radio and film and TV and that kind of stuff now That's so I just awesome. just became SoCan and, and got all that stuff together so it's, uh, you know, all, all you uh, basement musicians out there, don't give up hope, you know, just yeah. go and, and break your wrist. And <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think, you know, it, it's cool. Like, I really love music right now. Like, I, and all the things I've done, you know, I think for me, I need to keep it fresh so that I can stay youthful and stay, um, stay in a state of change. You know, I think for me, I'm not really the type of person that wants to settle down and, be, and, and have the, the cool house and car and relationship and all this stuff for sure. me I, like I love my careers and I'm in love with my careers and for me I think 
music is this new horizon. Like I did the circus thing. I still do the circus thing. I love it. Right. I do, did the acting thing. I still do the acting thing. I love it. But music for me is like this new passion and I really yeah, yeah. feel really powerful about it. And, and pe- the way that people have reacted to my music and given me a lot of positive positivity and support. Like yeah. I feel like I could get some traction and get a band together and kind of It's move cool forward, stuff, so. man. Like I was thinking when I was listening to it, it kind of has, hopefully I'm not way off base, but to me it sort of sounds like uh, like there's elements of CCR, of mm-hmm. Black Keys, of, um, oh, I, when I was listening to it, there were a couple other bands that were jumping out at me right away, but those were definitely two influences for sure. Uh, some Kings of Leon maybe totally, is, is yeah. in there too. I've been, getting that, I've been getting Kings of Leon a lot, like on the vocal side of things, I yes. guess. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've, I, I guess I've always sang and, and enjoyed singing but for me I've, I did comedy music and cabaret theater stuff forever right. so I'd play with the guitar and sing really disturbing songs about you know this or that and um, and that's as far as I ever thought I would take it but I think once I started developing my voice and like I surprise myself sometimes like I don't want to toot my own horn or anything but I really feel blessed with a natural really good singing voice and uh, you know, take a, takes a lot of work, takes a lot just like juggling like becoming a professional circus performer sure. and juggling I spent like you know two to five hours a day a few days a week for years to become to get to that level and yeah, yeah. I got just applied that discipline to music and singing and yeah. now sometimes when I'm singing I'm like whoa like that's like I got some pipes now like it's, it feels really good and yeah. um, I think those um, comparisons that you made like my fit fa- probably my favorite thing is like when I started the project I really wanted it to be Lumineers meets Kings of Leon meets Black Keys. Those three things, three like sort of my favorite bands in the, you know, in the last few years, I guess. I've just listened to them until I almost hated them, you know? (laughs) I know exactly what (laughs) you mean. (laughs) With the Wolf Fox records, I I said at the time when I was writing them and I was producing them and just pouring all my, everything I had into them, like I was, you know, putting all my money and time into the, those two records over this year to the point where I was broke. Like I was like broke, trying to start a business. I was like, is this going to go anywhere? Is this even worth it? You know? And and uh, it is now. Like, it is kind of coming to fruition. But uh, I I said to myself, I was like, I really want to release the album that the second album that Lumineers is never going to release. Right. You know. And I was like, the first album was so great. And I was like, how could they possibly follow that up? And uh, I released my record. And then like three days later, they announced that they're releasing. Uh, I think it's Ophelia, or is the new one? I think. I they're, they're, anyway, they have a new yeah. record. And, they said that they're gonna, you know, release it three days after. I'm like, well, I guess they beat me to it. But I got, I still got Wolf Fox, and it's original. So yeah, it's yeah. good stuff, man. Like I listened to it, like I listened to both EPs front to back. So, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, I mean, I, I think you're a super cool dude. But if if I didn't like it, I would have turned it off. Yeah. So well, that's, and I didn't. I, that's I listened the best to the sign, whole you know? thing, right? So I think looking at uh, in terms of you know the analytics on Bandcamp and all I'm on I'm on SoundCloud as well. Right. So SoundCloud uh, uh, SoundCloud has an analytics thing. So you can look at how many views it, sure. or, or listens, listens, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, they're they're all the listens are not partials. They're all pretty much full playthroughs, which yeah. is that's that's it. If someone wants to listen to the whole song, yeah, you know, when I'm on spot Spotify or whatever, I just bounce like it's like watching cable TV. You know, oh, like, really? You're oh, you're a channel surfer. I am a bit of a <laughs> channel surfer, but then when I find something, I just it's right. on repeat. You know. And yeah, and, for and, sure. And it's really cool. So yeah, I'm really, I'm really proud of those albums. If uh, if anyone's ever interested in checking it out, it's uh, Wolf Fox W O L F O X dot Bandcamp dot com, and you can check out both of the EPs there. Awesome. Um, I think you can buy both of them. It's like five bucks or something like that for for the full full deal. So nice. Now you were talking about the discipline that comes from circus performing. You're also trained in martial arts. 
Mm-hmm. Do you find that martial arts training also has a lot of like discipline transfer? Definitely. I think for, for me, um, when I was younger, I was very hyperactive as a child sure. and I, uh, I was born in Vancouver and, um, out there, I guess I, I you know, I was, I was just kind of bouncing off the walls. I didn't really sure. have a, a lot of interest in reading or a lot of, uh, academic pursuits at all. I think it was kind of for my parents. They're like, Oh man, like shit, what do we do with this kid? You know, <laughs> like he's super yeah. like very physical, obviously. Like I was always moving around. So yeah. I was lucky enough that they didn't uh, sedate me like many kids of my generation yeah, with Ritalin yeah. or whatever, you know, and they put me into martial arts. And, nice. What did you um, start in? If you I was in taekwondo and kickboxing. Um, I was in an um, academy called the Academy of Martial Arts and Inner Power, and it was sort of a conglomerate of different martial arts trainers in a bunch of different disciplines. So they did kickboxing, tons of kung fu. Um, and they did a lot of martial arts expositions. So they would travel around to arenas on the West Coast and do these uh, martial arts shows. So it was like weapons work and forms. And I got That's really cool. into the performance element of martial arts right. as opposed to the competitive fighting element, right. um, which was an amazing precursor for me in my performance career because I, I kind of learned to become a physical sort of dancer, martial artist, object manipulator right. before I even knew what circus was, you know. And then That's so all cool. that discipline... Um, really allowed me to focus as a child and give me something right. in my teens and in, as growing up, like becoming an adult, that I, ha- I did have that discipline to apply to all those other things. And for me, now, I, like, I really encourage young people to try to find anything that, that they can do that with, to pour right. themselves into, because it really, the better I got at martial arts, when I did find go into circus, I, I, yeah. I get really good at circus, and that made me better at um, you know, martial arts, and it, and it kind of becomes this synergetic um, relationship between all For the sure. skills that I, I've been developing. And now in my adult life and all the, the challenges that I've had, I've kind of taken that approach. I'm like, if I can do this thing, then I can do this, this other thing. And right. they both mutually make each other better. So the more things like that I have, it's almost like I'm like superhero training or something, you yeah, know, it's yeah. like, there's nothing, I don't feel like there's anything that I can't do because there's nothing I'm willing to not try. Right. Yeah, and I, I would imagine as well, just from um, finding things that not only help to focus, but also that you, you tend to excel at stuff, that I guess mediocrity is not really an option, mm-hmm. I guess, when you get into stuff. Yeah, that's definitely the other side of it. I think for me, I'm, real, I'm seeing that more and more in my life as like, when you do all this, when I do all this really cool stuff and I like challenge myself and I'm like, you know, doing crazy circus shows and then I'm doing axe club events and all this kind of crazy stuff when I'm like doing laundry at home or I'm doing like normal <laughs> domestic shit I, right. I do have I struggle with depression you know it's yeah. a, it's it's a challenge to be live a life of extremes and choose to live a life of extremes and, and to do these things because you know when you at the end of the day when all the shows are over and it's all done it's just me and myself you know I don't right. I don't have a, a significant other I, I all I kind of have is, is my careers and, and all those things so right. on the outside to a lot of people when you see someone that's a performer and, and is a variety entertainer as a multi, multidisciplinary person it's like oh they're an amazing person but there is always like anyone has a dark side there's sure. another side to it that is not super fun sometimes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's it's that yin-yang kind of idea. There's light and dark and everything, mm-hmm. right? So I was also, you, you have like ancient weapons training? 
as well? Yeah, I got, <laughs> I think for me in martial arts, like when I was a kid, I always gravitated towards weapons training and, and I, I do a lot of single sword work, uh, cool. two-handed sword work, bow staff. Um, I would say that I'm a, um, expert level traditional archer. Um, I do a lot of archery with uh, traditional style recurve bows. Oh, cool. Um, I'm actually the president of the International Bicycle Mounted Archery Association, which is a bicycle mounted on, archery. Uh, bicycle, the Bi Bicycle Mounted Archery Association. We have a, f a page on Facebook. And um, <sighs> basically, there's like a, a bunch of different cultures around the world that do horseback archery. So right. they, it's like an old Mongol thing. Most people have probably seen pictures of it or, yeah, or seen yeah, it around. Yeah. So I, I tried it when I was younger, and I'm like, man, I can't afford a horse. Like, who, who's got time for that, right? Right. So, but I love the feeling of that, of letting go and, sh and, and trusting the momentum of moving right. at, at, you know, at high speed and shooting arrows. And just that whole thing for me is just really cool. Like, I've been skydiving. I've done a bunch of cool stuff. But for me, like the rush of, of shooting an arrow when you're moving at high speed with your going hands-free on a bike, it's awesome. <laughs> oh it's so God. cool. And um, so, yeah, I think for me, like, like all of those skills and stuff, it's just... I, I want to keep pushing it. Like I want to always have something that's like new and exciting. And when I master one skill or one thing, I like kind of want to find something else. So for me in the medieval weapons thing, like I, I just got called on to my first acting, acting production since Hannibal actually, um, because of my martial arts and my weapons training, um, they wanted someone that could fuse um, the skill of poi Right. Which is uh, one of my circus skills. I do a fire show uh, as a character called Pyromeo. And I do uh, uh, poi spinning. And poi, if you don't know what poi is, is um, lengths of chain with little handles on them. You hold them in your hand. Off the length of chain, there's a, a, a torch that is on fire. And you, you have one in each hand. You spin them. There's all kinds of different sort of juggling dance techniques that you can do. So I'm, uh, I'm an expert level poi spinner. I do staff spinning as well, which is sort of like a martial arts thing with fire on either end of the staff. Um, I do fire juggling, et cetera, et cetera. But someone found me um, and found out about my acting career and found out that I could do this stuff. And it was uh, a production for Star Wars. It was like uh, this, there's a new movie coming out called Rogue One. Yeah. And uh, he's so excited. I love it. Um, and they found me and they wanted me to do a, a play this character as like a Sith Lord so no it was like this uh, yeah it was, it was a very cool production and they brought me out they basically wanted to have someone that could transition from having two red lightsabers and then they're you're I was fighting with them and then they the chains drop down they turn into spinning like poi lightsabers so I was like yeah it was really cool I'll show you obviously I can't it's kind of under wraps right now until they release it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but this is uh, potentially in the. This, this is, is the a, this is as a. Um, they're doing a lot of things right now where the the company like LucasArts would provide a, a whole bunch of money for fan films to be made to hype pre-hype the movie. Oh, so okay. this is actually for a contest to. Um, become a pre-screener for the movie. So like, you know, when you go into the theaters and there's the preview movies, yeah, like, yeah, this yeah, is a preview yeah. for Rogue One that's like specifically made, which is really cool. It was like the awesome. concept of like this ancient Sith Lord and this ancient Jedi master fighting and the whole concept of the, the waning and waxing of the force and, and dark and, and light and stuff like that. And it was uh, it's a really cool production to be on. So I got my, uh, I definitely got my ass kicked on that deal because I had to, 
A, like I'm a good sword fighter, but I had to learn how to use their props. I had to learn how right. to double, do really cool double sword fighting stuff. So I, you know, got my hands beaten up and stuff. And the, sure. the actress that played the Jedi Master did not know how to sword fight. They uh, got her for her, more for her look and for her acting stuff. So sure. she went through the, the sword boot camp. But when we were actually getting into fighting, like she just kept, she kept crushing my fingers against the hilt of the thing. You know, it was just kind of like... Like when you're really grueling, like that whole thing, it was kind of like um, Sideshow Bob stepping on rakes, you know? <laughs> it's just like, wow, okay, let's keep going. Like, so, you know, it was, uh, but it was a good production. So I'm really excited for that to be released. Like what, talk about a glamour shot and, and a great opportunity for me to get back into film. Because I think yeah. I want, really want to get the Axe Club moving, get it up and running, and then um, get an apartment in Toronto again and just have a presence there and start cranking out auditions and, right. and see where it goes. Because um, acting, I, w I was just kind of getting traction and getting um, some good roles and, and getting some notoriety before I broke my wrist. And in that industry, if you don't have a clean bill of health and you're out of work, people forget about you very quickly. Sure. So two years is a very long time in that industry to be out. Yeah. So I'm hoping that this, uh, when this comes out, it'll be an opportunity for me to kind of use it as demo reel and, and maybe yeah. uh, play monsters and stuff again. I think that's, yeah. that's kind of the next dream, along with Wolf Fox, is, is kind of having, uh, getting back into the creature suit and effects suit performance that yeah. has started my acting career, because I just, I love the idea of not, no one really knowing that it's me playing the character necessarily. Sure, There's something sure. that's really cool about that for me. It's like, that anonymity. Yeah, that anonymity. Yeah, yeah, in the acting world, like, you know, I've hung out with actors that are, you know, famous and honestly, most of them are kind of like, I don't, not the kind of people I really want to give myself to in a really sincere way, you know, right. I, I'm, I have a wall up because I'm like, it's very superficial. It's very like, they're put in this box because they, you don't, they never really show who they really are. They don't right. know who they really are because everything's like externalized. So yeah, yeah. for me as a performer, I have all these monikers because I don't really, I don't really want that fame. I don't really want that. I want to do awesome stuff. I want to meet yeah. awesome people. I want to have an awesome life. I don't want to be put in this celebrity box or, sure. you know, it just doesn't seem very cool to me. Um, right. So I do, that's why I think on all my projects, like Pyromeo is my fire performance circus character. Ringmaster K is another one, which I do a juggling yeah, thing like yeah. for families and stuff like that. Um, I, and I have Wolf Fox as a moniker for my music. So it's not really ever Kalen Davidson per se I save that for the people that really matter and that I love in my life sure um, if I put that out there I feel like it would kind of be it just doesn't wouldn't feel right for me you know right yeah. right I like to be a man of many hats but yeah. <laughs> I dig that man that's cool that's like um, oh, what's that damn it it's a superhero and he's always this is embarrassing because I'm supposed to be. I like might be able to get it. I'm pretty dorky nerd. sometimes. So um, he's always. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure he's DC. Uh, Christ, the question is. Oh, uh, right on. Yeah. That's so funny because when I was growing up, I didn't get any of the normal comic books. My uh, stepfather, he um, passed on all these weird comic books from the seventies that I was like, right. I really want like Superman and Wolverine. He's like, well, here I have all these old question comics. And I'm oh, like, no man, way. this is weird. <laughs> yeah. It was like super weird. Yeah. It was this guy, very similar look to Rorschach. If I'm yes. not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. From the Watchmen. Yeah. That's cool. Right. Oh man. We're going, we're getting nerdy. Oh yeah. This dude. interview just went sideways. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, the second you brought up star Wars, I was like, yes. Yeah. My, I'm like, just to give you a quick, like, and I don't, I don't want to talk too much about any of my shit, but my cat's name is Lando Cat Rizian. <laughs> just I love to, that. Just to give you an idea. <laughs> well, so. there's a reason why we vibe, you know. Yeah. Like, I guess, like, where did we, we, I guess we met, uh, I want to say the Oxford 
when yeah, that so sounds right. our friend Matt Diamond, who you just interviewed, I did. Yeah, um, that's right. That guy's I love that guy very He's much. Awesome. What a, what a gem. Um, he hosted an open mic at this place called the Oxford, which is like that place the building is cursed because a business hasn't been able to run no, in that place. Right. I don't know what the deal is. It's so sad. But so uh, we bars. started up there. I think you and I met there back in a uh, year and a half ago, I'd say. About and that, yeah. I've, that's, that was Tuesday, or I think it was Wednesday nights it was at the Wednesdays. time. But yeah. I played pretty much every open mic that Matt Diamond hosted between there, and it's now at the historic Red Dog. That's right. Um, and I've played pretty much every Tuesday that I can for the last 16 months or something, I want to say, somewhere mm. around that range. And that's mm. really what got Wolf Fox, Wolf Fox, Wolf Fox, <laughs> Wolf Fox off, off the ground, was playing those open mics and getting, mm. having you know Matt Diamond and yourself and all these other musicians and um, producers and just people to kind of bounce everything off of. And, you yeah. know, I, got, I played yeah. so many bad shows there that which I love now. Like, yeah, it, right? you know, my first 50 circus shows were terrible, but once you get through them, you start to yeah. figure it out. Everyone yeah. eventually figures it out. You got to stumble before you run, right? Exactly. You got to take failure as a wonderful thing in life. Yeah. For me, failure has made me who I am. And it's, and I continue to look for places that I can fail because it's only makes right? you stronger. Yeah. You know? It's the best teacher. It really yeah. is. It really is. Well, at the end of some, some days. Well, <laughs> it's a very good teacher. Maybe not this. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I should make it uh, that black and white, but it's definitely <laughs> an important one for sure. So with like, just speaking of, uh, of creative friends like, like Matt Diamond and, and getting to know you, you know, like you're a ridiculously creative dude. Like, did you have a lot of creative friends when you were growing up or was, were you like, kind of like, the, I was the actually, freak? I was, was <laughs> I think I was a bit of a freak. Yeah. I think like, um, yeah, I was an only child, like until I was like six or something. I have my, my parents, um, basically split, split up when I was born. Right. Um, and then I lived between two step families. So I had some step siblings and stuff, but, um, for most of my life up until I was like eight or eight or so, eight or 10 years old, I didn't really have any friends. Like I was like in the woods with my dog, you know, like right. living in my own world of, of probably slightly autistic imagination, you know, like I was way out there. I would like go, my friends were like, oh, where's Kaylin? I don't know, he's off walking somewhere. And I would be like in a farm field, like two counties away, you know, like hitting a beehive with a stick and running <laughs> for my life. Like I was like that kind of kid. I was a right weird, on. weird farm kid, but that freedom I think for me and that isolation um, and my relationship with the world around me and, and my relationship by proxy to be, to creativity right. and, and the world of imagination um, was just as isolating as it, as it was fantastic for me. I think for me, um, it's obviously not for everybody, but in, in terms sure. of being an only child, I think a lot of people can, um, can understand that sort of being alone and learning to be alone is a really rare thing in the world. And I think right. that people that learn to do that as strange as, and weird as they might seem to the outsider, they actually have their own world of imagination and creativity. I think yeah. that that's something that I've, I've really luckily through all of life's crazy tribulations and, and tragedies and things like that, that have happened to everyone, I've been able to maintain it. And that's cool, I man. think, uh, you know, like I'm really I'm like a big kid. Like I never really stopped being that kid that was yeah. like running around by himself. And, and I, that's what I still do, you know, and I, it's, and, and I apply that to my life. I think I have, I feel like I'm a madman. <laughs> like I feel sometimes 
when I look in the mirror now, I feel like I'm like the Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland or something. You know, like I'm 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 a, I'm a wacko. You know, but I I've, I've been able to quantify it into a career, <laughs> which some people they're like the guy on the street that's like the crazy guy is like, hey, I need spirit change, and like yeah. I'm like, hey man, like no, but change comes from within, man. You know, yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> like I you know, and I I just I feel like I'm. I'm I'm at one, I'm I'm at peace with my strangeness, yeah. and I feel like for me and every, all the creative pursuits, and especially with my performance, I try to inspire people to do the same thing. It's like you know what, everyone's a weirdo. Yeah. Try to be more comfortable with yourself. You don't sure. need to fit into other people's molds all the time, and it's such a tragedy when people give into all of that society's kind of you know dark side of they're telling you where to fit and telling you what to buy, what to eat, who to love, right. all that stuff. And for me, that's that's just this thing in society that I really have always tried to change with my performance and my creativity. Like I want to inspire and aspire to be a total weirdo. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. So, so then with that, like, I mean, obviously whether or not it was fostered, you ran with it anyway, but was, was the creativity, was that really encouraged by your folks or was that something where they just kind of left you to your own devices or how did that I think it was kind of, you know, my parents, they, they were pretty young when they had me. So I think, you know how it is when in your 20s, most people, like, you're trying to just, sure. you're just trying to survive, you know? Like, yeah, and, yeah. like, for them, like, my, my mother was incredibly supportive of anything I ever wanted to do. Um, right. Her name's Lisa Chappelle. She's actually a local midwife in town. Yeah. She's, a, she's, a, she's delivered, like, all. I walk down the street with her now. And she's like, oh, I like to put their babies and their babies. And my, anyone I meet, they're like, oh, your mom delivered my babies. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, that's, <laughs> that's kind of weird, you know? But she, yeah, she's, she's amazing. She's really cool. She's always been super supportive. And I think for me, I've always been really fiercely independent. So it's not like they necessarily had, they kind of had to adapt to be like, you know, give him space. Like, right. what's he doing now? Probably something crazy, you know? Right. Like, so they, I think they were... They're very support as supportive as they possibly could be, and like my dad is just like me. He's a he's a, like you know very creative, very talented dude. He's a pro saxophone player. Oh, cool! Um, his name's Mark Davidson. He owns a, a, a post and beam company in town, so he does like renewable forms of construction, really cool construction oh, stuff. And uh, yeah, he's a saxophone player. He actually I taught him to juggle when he was fifty, and now he's about as good wow. as me, like just a few years later. Really? Um, so I think it's like in you know it's in our blood for sure. It's just yeah. kind of bringing it to the surface, I think, for, for, in terms of creativity. And I just feel really lucky that I've had, you know, have my parents. And actually, years, years later, they ended up splitting up with their partners and got back together, like my biological parents, oh, wow. when I was, I think, 27. So they, and they've been together huh. for like five or seven years or something now. And they're totally happy. They live out in Keene together. And I, I went out and That's visited them. That's super yeah. cool. It's, it's a really neat story. Yeah. And I think in my adult life now, like seeing them witnessing them go through all of these these realizations these lessons and these things that they learn from their failures together and with other people and through the past like i was able really luckily to separate myself from that situation and because of that i was able to learn so many lessons from them because i that you know i I probably made all of them anyway but just to be able to witness them and and them going through life and me being so similar to them like physically and mentally and all those things like just to be able to see someone go through that it taught me so much and I think that maybe without them even knowing today was more of a a creative um 
inspiration to me than anything else was just witnessing them live their lives. You Man, know? that is awesome. Man, your story is fucking bananas. That is so cool. <laughs> it is like you are a super interesting dude. This well, is... you know, I try. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of want to ask everybody this. What was like the first like memory you have of, I guess, anything that really like grabbed you by the balls? Like whether it was like a song or a, or a comedian or, or a book oh, or man, just, a, just good, a painting that's maybe. a good question. Like, um, or, or just the first one that jumps into your head because like I've got a couple of different ones and I, I think it's just really fascinating to... What was the first like sort of creative memory? I guess, I mean my first memory ever was the smell of the engine room on my grandfather's boat. I remember wow. that, which is very strange, but I, th I was cool. probably four or five years old, and I remember today when I, when I smell that sort of engine grease smell, I get right, taken right. right back there, and I'm like, whoa. So that was my first like, memory, which happens to be a smell. Sure. Um, my first like, creative thing, I think, probably my dad playing music in a funk band. Nice. Um, he was in a band... I want to call. I think it was called Slips in the High Fives. It was with, oh, um, Bo, yeah, with Bo, Bo Dixon. And yeah, Michael Bo Dixon. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, so that, yeah. that was like back in the day, and I think it may have even been before that. He was he, he played in a whole bunch of bands. So I think the first time was like listening to a funk band when I was really little, and just like loving it. Like yeah. I I couldn't stop my body from moving. You know, I got right into that like sort of ska skanky dance thing, <laughs> yeah. like like kids do. You know, like yeah, it's, it's intuitive. It's like that whole like tenth monkey thing. Like it's ingrained. It's in, yeah. dances inside everyone. It's oh, just yeah, kind of yeah. letting it out. So I think for me it was uh, yeah like being on a, a funk dance floor for when I was like really little and that is um, fantastic. Kind of like. You know, because my parents were so young and they were also kind of like, they were cool. Like, they were rock stars, you know, they liked to play party and stuff. And their, yeah, their yeah. friends were so cool that I was always around them. So I was always, at, at a very young age, in a world of adults. And my intellect at that time was a bit hyperactive. So I would talk to adults, like, sure. and they would talk to me like, like I was an adult. And it was right. this really interesting situation where, you know, I was a kid, but I was placed in very adult situations. And in terms of that the creativity like being able to learn conversation like, like my first right. conversations getting to know people and and, and 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 acting that way and i still to this day like my favorite things to do are to meet and connect with like really cool people i feel like that's that's like an energy that you I get that just is so invigorating it's like playing yeah. a really good rock show or doing a really right. good show just like meeting someone on the bus and like having a conversation and be like hey like and you might never see them again but it's just like this really cool thing so yeah, yeah. i think like creatively or like musically or like seeing something that it was it was the funk band but like my first thing that i like really loved was like just really connecting with other people in a real way you know like having people treat you as a human being and treating other people as a human being like that that grabbed me by the balls that's awesome <laughs> that is cool man well, I, I know you got uh, I know you got places to be. So yeah, we, we I gotta do have go. To... I'm gonna actually gonna go play a Wolf Fox show. It's Tuesday tonight, so I'm gonna go play the open mic at the Red Dog. Yeah, have a few I, uh, pops. See what I'll, develops. I'll probably see you down there. I just I gotta drop this gear back off at the house, and okay, then I'll cool. probably swing down. Oh man, that was a great interview. That was super fun for that sure. So, yeah, 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 I'm yeah. having a blast, and I, I kind of. I don't want to stop. But I know. We well, kind of okay. we should, but uh, just just for the last. Uh, for the last couple of minutes, uh, maybe maybe tell the folks where they can find uh, the Peterborough Wax Club yeah. and your .com and all that. Absolutely, all that juicy um, stuff. So for um, 
Kalen Davidson stuff <laughs> for uh, my acting um, music and circus performance. You can go to kalendavidson.com, K-A-L-E-N-D-A-V-I-D-S-O-N.com. And that has kind of uh, three pages for all of this sort of synopsis of what I do and what I'm capable of doing in those realms of, uh, of art. Um, in terms of Peterborough Axe Club, uh, it's 280 Perry Street, Unit 1 in, uh, in Peterborough. It's right across from the GE plant. Uh, and it is uh, super, super awesome fun to come in and throw axes. Um, it's ptboaxe.com. Uh, is our website. You can book events with us uh, for six or more people. We do like big corporate events. We also have walk-in Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. You can just come in and we'll teach you how to throw axes safely and uh, leave, give you a lane. That's only 20 bucks per person plus tax. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also offer leagues, which our, our new league session is going to be second week of January. And it's super fun to come one night a week. You uh, throw with the same people and it, it's become a really great community. We're going to have craft beer to, to drink afterwards. Um, we have this beautiful clubhouse and axe throwing is just, it's so fun like me now I get more satisfaction from teaching people to play and then kind of being a fly on the wall you know and just watching them and they'll hit a bullseye and win a game on it and they'll just jump like a freaking anime school girl you know (laughs) they lose their minds and and it's it's just so cool to be able to bring that to a town like a city like Peterborough that I feel like is just reaching this critical mass now where so much business and so much creativity and possibility is here. And I feel like Axe Club is just the beginning of the types of really cool adult play businesses that we really need in this town. You know, there's so many people that I think are just unaware that they can do these really fun things, you know? That's so, awesome. Um, yeah, ptbox.com, kaylindavidson.com, and for Wolf Fox, wolfox.bandcamp.com. You can check it. You can actually stream both of my, uh, my records for free. Very nice. Do you have a, a Twitter or Instagram where people can follow any of this stuff as well? Um, for Instagram, my personal account, which is pretty much just all the weird stuff that I do, um, is kalen.davidson. I don't, I'm not, I don't, I'm not like, I feel old. <laughs> Cause you know what I mean? So, like where yeah. you get into this thing, I'm actually like on my phone right now looking at, what is it? It's, um, just, just Kalen Davidson. I think it's at Kalen Davidson, all one word. Awesome. Yeah, I have some really weird photos that I put up on a regular basis on there. So, fantastic. Yeah, for no sure. No Twitter. I don't. I think I have Twitter for for Wolf Fox, but I just okay. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, I, I'm like a weird like old young. I don't know. I don't. I don't use online stuff very much. Yeah. So, mine's all for just business stuff. I don't. That's about exactly yeah, for sure. I'm in the same boat, man. Well, thank you so much. Thank this you has so much, been Dawson. Awesome. Uh, I can't wait to go listen to you downtown in. Probably about a half an hour. <laughs> yeah, let's rock and roll for sure. So thanks so much, man. Yeah, Have a great night. A lot. Yeah, uh, this is 646 coming at you live from the Peterborough Axe Club. Have a good night, everybody. And now to play us out, Wolf Fox, Born on a River.
Welcome back.